Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Good Humans Podcast with me, Cooper Chapman, chatting to the world's best about the inspiring stories that got them to where they are today. Hello to every single good human out there and welcome to guest episode number 74 of Good Humans Podcast. A massive thank you for tuning in today. Today's episode is maybe one of my favorite ever with a great friend of mine, Joel Adams. If it's your first time here today, please make sure you hit follow and subscribe. Leave us a five-star review and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It means the world to me and does do massive, massive favors for this podcast to get out and into more ears. As well, a big thank you to our impressive sponsors, Drink A Rapper. They've been supporting this podcast for a very long time now, and I'm so, so grateful for them. Drink A Rapper is a brain performance drink. Basically, it makes your brain perform better short-term and improves your brain health long-term. It's been developed by neuroscientists. It's got a New Zealand neuroberry, a pine bark extract, and also L-theanine for calming the brain. It's a product that I use every single day, and I highly, highly encourage you to check it out. Joel had some in this episode, and he loved it too. Head to the link in the show notes or go to drinkarepper.com and use the code GOODHUMAN. Get yourself some brain fuel for this summer. Also, if you are enjoying these podcasts, please head over to thegoodhumanfactory.com. Check out the merchandise I do for my mental health organization, The Good Human Factory. We run mental health workshops with high schools and also corporate groups, which have been very, very successful. We do the merch and we also have an ambassador program, which Joel is just, um, yeah, just been announced as the newest Good Human Ambassador. So make sure you head over to thegoodhumanfactory.com. Check all of that out. Today's episode, Jolie Adams, far out. This guy has a story that you will not believe. It's incredible the journey he's been on with some massive ups and also some very, very deep downs. He's, um, yeah, had a story in music that you never want to hear of, being screwed over by management, by having a song that's almost had a billion downloads and not making a dollar from it. Um, but he's come through it with such a positive mindset. He's just about to release a very, very special song called Just A Man. It comes out on December 2nd, exactly two weeks after this episode comes out. He did do a live performance of this song in this podcast, so you are very, very lucky. You get a two-week head start on everybody else hearing this song. Very um, grateful, as I said, for Joel to share his experience. This is one of the first times he's really opened up about what he's been through. And I feel an absolute privilege that I got to share this story with him. Please do me a huge favor. Share it on your Instagram stories. Let's get this story out there. It really deserves to be heard by so many people. Um, Yeah, make sure you go and pre-save Just A Man, Joel's new song. I will leave a link to that in the show notes. Go and follow Joel on Instagram. And yeah, really get involved. His music's incredible and he deserves to be heard by so many. His story is really powerful and I think it's going to help help a lot of people. So let's jump into it. Welcome to Good Humans Podcast, Joel Adams. How you going, brother? Thanks for having me, brother. It's good, man. It's good to be here. Honestly, I'm super excited because obviously today we've talked a bit, but I feel like in passing as like, you know, socially, we've only really had like 10 minute conversations, you know, at events. So it's kind of cool to get to sit down and have like a long form conversation and kind of get to know each other a bit. Yeah, dude, you've you've got such a unique story. And like you said, we've met in environments that are a bit different to the environment we're in today, just sitting here having a chat. (laughs) We've met... um, we got uh, like brain juice, you know. Yeah, we got our yeah, we do have um we got our rappers with us. A rapper yeah. do sponsor this podcast. Yeah, so, awesome. Um crack it over? About it. I wasn't even gonna make today a sponsor to the rapper episode. I just got them anyway, but screw yeah, let's um let's a rapper can sponsor today. So a rapper is a brain function drink. So yeah, developed by neuroscientists over five million dollars in clinical studies. Wow. Um to prove that it works. Basically the owner um who I had on this podcast before used to work for V and was like, fuck, we're just poisoning people with like energy drinks. Let's yeah. make, I want to make something that is natural and right. is good for long-term brain health. He had some family history with um 
neurodecline and dementia and was okay. like, let's do something that actually works. So yeah, developed by neuroscientists. It's got um a New Zealand neuroberry. We'll open it in a sec. It tastes like um a Ribena almost, like a black currant. Oh like, man, I love Ribena. Delicious. So good. But Ribena, it's funny that a year 10 um, high school girls experiment did a test on Ribena to show how much vitamin C they had because that's what yeah. they marketed and they found that it had like none in it. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all like bullshit. So a rapper and nothing like that. The yeah. studies hold up to all the scrutiny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like calms you, but also gives you energy and focus. So cheers. Like, um, yeah, bro. Oh, crack them open and have a little a rapper. Thanks cheers, to bro. firing up all the thanks, man. Minds of the good humans guests, but mm. I'll get them to send you some because I feel like you'll um you really enjoy it. Oh, dude, it's good instead of like that is nice morning hey? coffee. It's pretty. Yeah. Well, I'm like I'm like with coffee. I get a little bit anxious. Me too. So it's a perfect. Me, something like that is a lot. That's why I have like green juices. Usually. Especially for you going like in the music studio and stuff. Mm. Like you can't perform under too many coffees. So, like, no. so a rep will be good. I'll, I'll definitely send you some. But Thanks, brother. Appreciate man, it. Man, let's um let's get into your story. Maybe just quickly to kick off. Um, yeah. Before we get into it, let the listeners know who you are and what you do. Yeah. So basically, I'm a musician, um, singer, songwriter, artist from Brisbane, Australia. Um, 25 years old been doing uh, music basically since I since I was about 14 years old and um, I had a song that came out in uh, about 2015 called please don't go which now has about like 600 million streams and it was you know pretty big and I've been kind of releasing music ever since then and um, yeah it's been a kind of interesting journey I've had a lot of things happen along the way um, and yeah I guess We'll get into it a bit more, but that's kind of the general, yeah, that's yeah. what everyone kind of knows me as like the humming guy. Cause there's like this humming thing at the start of the song where everyone yeah. kind of like associates me with that. So Ooh. it's kind of funny cause everyone knows my song, but I don't think anyone really knows me, Yeah, which is kind of cool to do a podcast. So have you done a podcast about? before? Never bro. I've never done like a long form talk about anything um, to do with my career or anything really. So wow. I've done like a lot of interviews, but like for me, this is actually a little bit more nerve wracking cause it's like. You know, I, I mean, it's more vulnerable, I think, because you're yeah. talking a lot more at length. Well, so, I'm glad yeah. I've, I'm glad you've given me the opportunity. It's nice being mates with you as well. Absolutely, so I feel bro. like, and you know, obviously, what I'm about with mental health Absolutely, and um, yeah. your story does involve some serious ups and downs with mental mm. health. A lot of yeah. your music now is all based around that, and we just we're chatting off air for a good hour. While we went and had a coffee, and you told me some crazy parts of your story some that we can talk about some that you can't but we will get into that as we go through but before we go back to the start of your story the question i like to open most of my podcast with is what are you grateful for right now man honestly at the moment um a lot of things i think for me this week this year perspective like my whole life has been brought a bit into perspective and i think i've been on somewhat of a personal journey you know kind of I had personally, you know, so much control when I started doing music or over kind of like the outcomes and the expectations. Like it's kind of like I almost wrote everything was working out, you know, as I wanted it to. And then I kind of went through this kind of downfall where like, you know, oh, wait, you're not like the master of your own success. Like, you know, and I guess like for me, I had control over the outcomes, but I don't have control over how I react to things, you know. Mm -hmm. And now I've kind of like learned like, you know, like family, the little things in life, you know, little techniques to kind of help me kind of work on my mental health throughout, you know, the low parts of life. Mm. And I think for me, that's the thing that I'm very grateful at the moment is I'm learning a lot about myself. I'm more aware. I've, mm. um, I've got more knowledge on just, you know, what makes me tick, what makes me triggered and why, why do I get in those low spots and how to get myself kind of out of it. And yeah. I guess that, that for me is what I'm very grateful for. That's amazing. It's, it's a good yeah. thing to be self-aware of because I think yeah. – my definition of good mental health is your ability to bounce back from those hard times because 100%. we all go through them and it's so important that we um have the skills to overcome that. But let's start to get into your story because it's been a wild ride. And <laughs> it, it's great because like you said before, we've kind of got to know each other in the party scene and yeah. out and about. But we've mm. also, I feel like we've connected beyond just that. And yeah. I think that's what um today is going to be really cool to get to know your yeah. story. And Absolutely. even like we, we were walking before and chatting and I was saying like, oh, this happened because of my what somebody might have told me or I made up in my head and you're like, oh, no, that's not my story. And I was like, oh, I thought yeah. you like got written. I thought your song yeah, was yeah, written yeah. a bit, or not written, but like the big song was because of a high school teacher helped you, but that was just the story yeah. that I'd somehow heard. But yeah. it's um very different, which we're going to well, get that's, into. Well, that's the funny thing is I've never really talked about. So I guess I'll just start with like, you know. Yeah, let's. I'll, I'll lead you in. Where'd you grow up? 
what was life like as a kid and let's talk like up to sort of early high school years so basically um man i was so obviously i was born in um in brisbane um my dad was an immigrant he's from south africa he's portuguese his parents were immigrants in south africa and he was an immigrant here into australia so basically he had to work like um from the ground up um so he and he i grew up in like kind of like that kind of strict kind of family um i was always creative always loved um music i got two siblings brother and sister um who were kind of like they got like normal kind of more normal jobs whereas like my brother's like doing a trade and my sister's she's a nurse but for me basically i was always creative i always loved art and i guess music was something that i found um when i was around 13 years old i used to go to this place called the brunswick um hills i think it's brunswick hills hotel what is it called yeah brunswick heads brunswick heads oh brunswick Brunswick heads Heads. yeah so the brunswick heads hotel and um uh i don't know we used to go camping there kind of like as like a family trip northern new south wales and man there was i remember there was always just really good music there and i saw this one guy one night um playing guitar and i was just like i want to do that like i want to be able to play sing these songs and i think as a young guy my dad was really impressed with this guy and i've always thought like you know as men like we always look up to our dads and some some way we kind of want to our dad's our hero we want to aspire to kind of like you know make our dad proud and Mm. i guess when i saw my dad you know really reacting to this guy singing i was like i really want to like do that so some part of my like whole journey with music has also been like somewhat trying to prove to my dad that i'm like you know i think like any young man like you're trying to prove to your to your dad that you can you know you can be your own man you can you know you can be successful into and proud so basically you know i you know i started playing guitar and then i started singing when i was around 14 and then when i was 15 i went on the x factor um and um i sung uh like i went through a few audition phases i got through the first first audition and then um kind of fell off after um i went to a boot camp stage which they have which is like the second round yeah and um that was kind of like my first ever experience with like true failure and that was like really like the way that i did not cope with that well i was completely heartbroken i thought like my whole career was over i was 15 years old i thought i'd never be able to sing again i thought i was gonna get completely like how'd you come up with the decision to do x factor um well actually i had some friends i think I started, I always played guitar, like ever since I, you know, was 13. And then I said, started to just sing at parties, like, like, you know, kind of like trying to impress girls, I guess, yeah. you know, um, and it just kind of became like a party thing I'd do. Like just, we'd all get together and play and jam. And I remember one of my friends, she told me like, oh, you should do the X Factor. You should do this. And I was like, oh, maybe I will. And I remember I went onto like uh, Facebook um, on the weekend. It was a Saturday and they said Brisbane audition Sunday. And I was like, oh, for X Factor. And I was like, wow, I should probably just... This is like meant to be. So my mom took me the next day. I I did the audition, waited around for like seven hours because there's a lot of waiting with TV mm. um, and got through. My mom like cried because she was like, what the hell? Like she didn't even know I could sing. Like, no, like no. it was all like, what what's going on right now? Um, and then basically, yeah, obviously went through um, the next stage and then um, I forgot my lyrics. <laughs> no, <laughs> and, uh, I just, you know, I, I was too young, man. I, I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, I was, I just kind of, I really like, I was really inspired by like, you know, um, Ed Sheeran, Justin Bieber, like all these like, you know, guys that were growing mm. up and I wanted to be like one of them. So I just had this idea in my head that like, you know, it was going to be, it was going to, I was going to get discovered and all sort of stuff. And it just kind of, you get rejected and then you're like, oh my God. It's got to air. My, I was crying on TV. Like I thought my life was over. Like, oh my God. but um, it turned out they were actually pretty nice to me when they put it out. They didn't really put out any of that stuff, and I ended up getting quite a bit of like a following off that. Uh-huh. So basically, from that, um, I kind of was still encouraged to keep doing music, and I I, I wrote uh, my first song when I was at the same age um, for a school project. We had to like um, do our own original song and perform it, and I remember I rocked up to school. I'd forgotten about it. So I sat on the stairs like by our music center and I wrote what is Please Don't Go, the song that I've released. And I, I pretty much performed it on the spot and came up with the lyrics on the spot because I didn't write it. I, literally 10 minutes before I went and I kind of wrote this thing on the wow. spot. The humming and everything? Not the humming. The, I just had the song. But yeah. I remember like it was crazy. Like it just came to me. Um, it was weird. And uh, basically, yeah, I uh, did that. And then basically. Did you get an A for this, aren't it? Yeah, I think I did actually. I think I actually did pretty well, considering I didn't even like say the words right. Like I was coming up with the whole thing on the spot. But um, basically after that, then I, you know, started to, you know, keep doing music and I was uh, contacting people online, like uh, other artists to collaborate with. And um, 
I really wanted to, you know, work with this one YouTube artist and I ended up getting back through the management. And then that kind of led to me um, starting a relationship with a manager and um, then moving over to America eventually. So, and then a lot of other things happened after that. Yeah, yeah. Let's, um, we're going to get into that part yeah. of the story for, for what you can share. But yeah, I want to just talk about school a little bit more because yeah. I, we spoke about this just before off air and I think people are going to be, be able to relate to this. And it's something that I know you'd be grateful for now. Yeah, 100%. Um, the way your parents were with you, with this manager and with this opportunity mm. Because you found this manager, he was like, yep, come over straight away and you were still at school and yep. your parents, yeah, what, what was the decision with your parents like? So my dad like was always about like school. He's like, you got to finish school. You got to, you know, um, like he's old school, you know what yeah. I mean? And like as an immigrant, like coming into a country, you know, building his own business, you know, uh, trying to get me to get, you know, start my own career. School was everything, like, you know what I mean? Good education, old school. Um, so for me, my dad was always like, you're not going to leave to go um, do music you're going to stay and do school. And I remember I had this manager who I got in contact with who was like, come over to America. I was 16 at the time. Come, come move. Like I'll give you heaps of money. You can like work here, do music like full time. And obviously like as a young kid who like just got off a TV show and I was kind of like on this wind of like this, you know, discovery of like my, my passion. I was like, wow, this is like, this is it. I've been discovered. Like I'm going to be Justin Bieber tomorrow, you know, mm. kind of thing. Um, so I'm like, yes. And then my dad's like, oh, he's got, you're not going over there. Like you're going to finish school. And I was like, obviously heartbroken. I was, and me and my dad had a very rough relationship growing up. Like, you know, we butted heads constantly. Um, so for me, it was just like, yeah, broke. it was heartbreaking. And, um, I remember, um, the manager was like, I'll fly over and meet your parents to try and persuade them to kind of like, you know, mm. um, to let you come over here, I guess. Because obviously when you're 16, you can't sign contracts. Yeah. You have, your parents have to do everything. Um, so basically he came over, spent a week here, um, showed my dad the contract. My dad still said no. So the guy left and I, um, once again, heartbroken. I went into a really bad place after that. At school, I just wanted nothing to do with my family. I wanted nothing to do with my friends. I really just like isolated myself a lot. And um, yeah, I remember I was, I, my mom had to take me to like psychologists and everything. And I remember when I went to the psychologist, I would just, treat it as a joke like i would just you know basically just make up shit and mm. i just wanted nothing to do with my surround i wanted to be out of where i was so it was like a really you know it's just like i didn't know how to handle that disappointment yeah. like like which is a lot of what i've now learned as an adult like is mm. i didn't know how to deal with those lows mm. i kind of just fested and like let like all that negativity consume me and just turned it into hate and use and just like lashed out at everyone which mm. is like i feel like what a lot of like young men young do. men do is like we take that that anger mm. and we use it and we weaponize it against other people who are really just trying to help us mm. so for me like um that was yeah that was that was kind of a, a rough time and um i remember i got to my senior year of school and then i just kind of spent the whole year kind of isolated just working on my music um i stayed in contact with that manager so my whole thing was like i'm just gonna stay in contact with this guy I'm going to just ride out school. I'm just going to finish it. I'm not going to do more than I have to do. I'm just going to get through this. Mm. And it's like I'm doing a sentence almost, like prison sentence. I was just, I'm just going to get through this and then I'll be free. So like I did it, finished school. And then the day after I graduated, I flew to America. So yeah, I met this guy. Fuck. It's because it's, I know the story. and I know where this is going. <laughs> it, just, it makes my blood boil. But you fly to America. You've just finished high school. Hell yeah, life's about to kick yeah. off. I've got this couple big songs that I haven't released. Um, I've got this manager who's going to make me a star. Mm. How's that experience once you get there from what you can share? So for me, like, <clears throat> obviously, like, I'd never even flown before. Like, I'd never flown a plane, like, in a plane of my own. Um, so for me, that was just like, you know, like, you know, I was super overwhelmed from that, just that just experience. And then I remember like, you know, after like about, I think I flew maybe 20 hours. I flew from, because I was flying to New York. So you fly, I flew Brisbane, LA, Chicago, New York. Wow. So like, that's a lot of flying. So you went to live in New York to start? Yeah, it was New York. It wasn't LA. Oh, so wow. that's okay. where he was based, um, the manager. And um, basically, yeah, I get there and I'm super just jet lagged, overwhelmed, emotional. Like I haven't slept. I, I can't sleep on planes. I've always had like a mm. fear of, you know, flying and, and all that. Um, so... Yeah, I got there and just, you know, it was just like kind of a lot. Um, I'm in New York. I'm 17 years old. Like I've never been here before. And then just like, 
just like, okay, we're going to make these plans. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. Like just it all, it all, all hitting you at once. And I'm just like, well, I don't know if I'm like, yeah. I always felt like you think when you're young, you think oh, I can handle any situation, yeah. but the situation got the bigger, better and the bigger, the better of me. And I just kind of like got really overwhelmed. And then from there, there was, there was some things that happened you know, personally in the relationship that really, really upset me and really made me feel uncomfortable. And um, obviously I can't really talk too much about that. But um, I, I basically just within 48 hours thought I'd made the biggest mistake of my life. I thought like, oh my gosh, I've just like, like what mm. have I done to myself kind of thing? And I was, yeah, I mean, I was going to bed like crying every night. Like I would be on the phone to my mom and I would want to say, can I come home? But like I knew I couldn't because they, at that point, um, those people had invested some money in me. Um, mm. And I felt like, yeah, that was, I couldn't, couldn't, um, I had a commitment. I yeah, was trapped. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So for me, I couldn't tell my mom, I couldn't tell my dad. Cause they were like, you wanted this like kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. So they let, they let me go. And it's like within 48 hours, I'm like, fuck, I fucked up. And then you're there for a month. And this yeah. is kind of the part of the story that yeah. I want to touch on because yeah. I think a lot of, um, young people who end up with management can learn from this. Yeah. I've been in quite similar situations with my surfing, different level and different angle than yours. I know a lot of models who have gone through stuff like this, actors. I think just young people with management can be swayed by the, oh, no, they know better than my parents. They know better than people close to me. Um, so, yeah, what was – so you couldn't sign the contract until you were 18 with this manager mm. to take on your music career. Mm. And, yeah, so what was that next process of so like management and contracts and stuff like? Well, so basically, like, if, if I could edit, give any advice to anyone who ever is going through a deal like or signing a deal – if you're a new artist, even if you're like older, always get legal representation. Um, don't ever be it from your to look over it. You don't know what's in those contracts. Like that is contracts. People make out like contracts are made to protect themselves, but they're also to, they protect their interests mm. and they protect like what they could could happen to them if they were to do something, you know, you know, to you or they want to take advantage of you. Yeah. Like, you know, contracts are traps. Yeah, they're really like you know, me and my management now that I have now, we've never signed a contract. I've never signed a deal with them and we just did a handshake deal. Yeah. And I love doing business like that because I think, you know, you got to be as good as your word, you know? Um, so basically I got handed this contract as a 17 year old. It was my birthday. It was in two days. I was meant to sign this thing I, after the weekend had passed and I'm 17. I don't know anything about contract. Here's 300 pages of just like legal. So I sent it to my dad and he gets a weekend to look over it. And my dad's not a lawyer. My dad doesn't have a law degree and he couldn't get in contact with a lawyer in like, one 24 hours so like i don't think anyone in australia works on the weekends yeah, you know yeah, yeah. um so basically my dad said don't sign the contract and um he said you need more time to look over this this is not good for you you shouldn't do this but i had so much pressure on the other side i was beginning to get threats that if i didn't sign the contract music career is over music career would be over my family would get sued there was like threats coming legitimate threats and um you know uh so basically i ended up just out of fear signing the contract. Um, I just felt like I had to do that. I didn't have a choice. Um, yeah, man, it was coerced into it. And then you spend just for like example of the, I'm trying to work out how to word this of what, how much of a stitch up you've had. Yeah. Just for reference, anyone listening right now, Joel's main song, please don't go has had over 600 million downloads on Spotify. And if you look up online, you get paid 4,000 US around yeah. about for a million downloads. So based on just that song, you should have made over two and a half million dollars just off Spotify. And how much have you seen from that? Uh, pretty much zero. Yeah. Not to try and rub it in your face, but I no, just think 100%, to like, no, it's, no, it's, like it's, it's, it's so important for people to realize very, that yeah. by just a stroke of a pen can be millions and millions of dollars yeah. and yeah obviously this next part which i'm excited to not excited to talk about but i'm excited to hear this next part of your journey for where that next couple of years yeah. went because you're locked into a contract to make mm. music to play gigs and from the outside all the people in australia your friends your family are like wow joel's killing it he's doing all this but yeah. from the inside you're struggling so you sign the deal you're in New York, music careers started, you're in a contract you don't really like. What are those yeah. next couple of years like? So the next year is basically kind of 
them funding me to like make music. Um, and also, well, because I didn't have uh, like a, a, I had a visitor's visa in, um, in America. So I had to leave after 90 days. So what happened is like after the three months that I'd spent uh, my first trip going over to America, I remember coming back home, see my mom and my dad. And I remember like within the first like day, I just was like pleading to my parents, like you have to help me. Like I'm in so much trouble. Like kind of like, this is not what you think it is. Like I made a big mistake. Um, I like, I can't tell you everything because you guys, are, I was so terrified that they were going to like, I was so scared of these guys, man. I was like literally so brainwashed. And I like, was like, you can't, you can't talk to them like that. Like you have to just like, you know, I have to find a loophole to get out of this. You have to find a loophole to get out of this. Like, you, I can't tell you the truth. Like, I can't tell you everything that's happened, but like, I'm in a lot of trouble. And because I was such like, you know, I was, when I was growing up, I was, I was, you know, a hard kid to raise. Like, I was always, I just didn't like school and like authority. So like, my parents were just like, you're lying. Like, this is, you probably just didn't get what you wanted. And now you don't like where you are, but like, no, I'm not going to believe all this. Like, no, like, I'm seriously like, this is like weird. And my dad's whole thing was like, well, you kind of made this decision. And it's your commitment, so you got to honor it. So like, um, they did end up talking um, to this to the to this manager and you know them, um, but it was kind of like all their like he's they were put at rest, you know what I mean? All their worries were put at rest. Um, I mean they were very manipulative, and they were also like you know they had a big investment to protect. Um, um, so yeah, so basically I ended up um, traveling over in Australia with that manager. Um, because I couldn't go back to America straight away, but he wanted to have one-on-one time with me. So um, wanted to keep me, you know, like under his wing at all times. Um, a part of that was because um, he thought it was good, you know, for me to like, you know, not be with my friends, not be with my family to like kind of live an isolated lifestyle so I could really become an artist. But it, um, it was also just a control thing, um, obviously. Um, so like I remember within like the first two weeks of me being in a Australia he came traveled to Australia and then we left Brisbane my hometown and we moved to I think it was Sydney and then we lived in Melbourne and Sydney for about three months away from my family and everything and um, then after that three months um, we went to back to America and, um, and how did you release please don't go by now I hadn't released please don't go yet I, I hadn't even recorded it yet it was more just like we were writing other songs and I was kind of just like it was honestly I thought we were going to get going with the work straight away um, but to be honest, like we did do a few things, but it was kind of like a slower process. I, I, I think uh, a lot of artists who maybe if, if there are artists watching this, they'll know that like, once you get started, like with a record label or something, it's actually like a few years of just development. Mm. Um, so I guess that's what it was. It was development. Um, so basically we went back to America after three months in Australia and, um, that's when I was kind of like, so the budget had almost been completely burnt out. Um, cause a lot of this was like a big holiday too. Like the spending, like that, the, the manager the, they were using was, they were spending a lot of money on restaurants and it was like almost like it was kind of like work, but it wasn't. Um, so it was just weird. So all the money had almost been spent. So I had this last chance to record a song and I thought, well, I, please don't go. Like if I'm going to record any song, um, let's do please don't go. Cause I'd recorded a few songs before that and I wasn't happy with anything. And I was like, these aren't going to work. This isn't right. So I went into a studio in New York with um, someone I can mention their name, Derek Furman, who's on the credits of the song and who's also such a great dude. Um, still a friend of mine today. And we, um, we recorded, please don't go within 24 hours. I think it was like, we had two days. We finished the song in the first day or two. I remember I came up with the humming thing a week before. Cause originally please don't go was like a folk song. It was like on mm. the guitar. And, um, it's like, I wanted to like be Matt Corby when I was younger. So like I had like this Matt Corby sounding <laughs> thing to it. And I remember like, this is not going to work for radio. And I'd, I'd been listening to like a lot of artists like Chet Faker, James Blake, and they had this like kind of cool thing they do with vocals. So I decided, Oh, I'm going to do this with please don't go. I'm going to put humming at the start of it. I remember I did, came up with the idea, we put it in the studio and it just kind of listening back to it when we were like finished recording everything, we are like, wow, this is actually really cool. Yeah, like this is different. Like, and that's like the coolest thing is like when you can make a song, it's, it's, it's catchy, it makes sense lyrically, but it's also like unique. And I think that's what was so cool about it. It was like, I had like my own thing mm. and I'm like, this is so cool. So like that was, that's basically when we did the song. 
we recorded it. So then it got released. Yeah. After like your two years, and then mm. so it got, sort of took off again. So basically, what happened? Yeah, we got it got released, um, and we I was kind of like at the end there. It was like um, a lot of things that happened personally in the relationship with the management and everything, where I was just in like kind of like the worst place ever. Sounds like you're just like trapped and sheltered. I was from- so trapped, man. And I was like, I kind of saw this as my way out. If I can just make this, this song was like my last way to get out. You know, if this song works, then maybe like there's a chance for me because I thought like if I didn't make this work, I remember um, at one point we'd had a big disagreement and I was actually went back to Australia and I was laboring and I was told that I was never going to do music again, that like, you know, they'd given up on me and they're not going to spend any more money on me. Like, and I'm not allowed to do music in any other way because the way that my contract was shaped, I wasn't able to do anything else. I wasn't even allowed to be a music teacher. That was in like, I can't put too many things out there, but like there was like a lot in the deal that just screwed me. Yeah. So basically I was like, I need to do this. I need to get this song out. This needs to work. Like I don't have another, like I don't have another option. Like there's no plan B. Mm. So basically the song comes out and in November and we put it on iTunes and pre-sales. And there was a few thousand pre-sales because I had a bit of a following on Facebook because I'd been doing covers and everything. Yeah. Um, so basically we put it, we put that out and it kind of did well, but it didn't do anything amazing. So I was kind of like a bit nervous. Yeah. Then we did a, we recorded the music video um, over Christmas time and released that in January. And when the music video came out, it was like, wow, like just, it just blew up. It was crazy. Yeah. And then what, on the radio and everything, and you're like, okay, it feels like my career is starting now, but you're still with the management yeah. and you're like, oh, well, maybe if I'm making it some money and the song's doing really well, then I'll start to see something from this deal. Well, that's my my thing. In the back of my head, I was like, look, I, I just want to, I like felt all this, so this responsibility, like my dad had always said, like to f- fulfill the commitment. Mm. So like for me, it was like, I got to see this thing through. Um, and I was so brainwashed at the time, like I was just, I, I really wasn't, I was kind of like just a vessel for, mm. for, for, for whatever, like was coming through me musically and everything. I was, I, I really wasn't, I was kind of like a robot. So I, was like, I just got to get this shit out. I got to make this mm. shit work somehow, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, basically the song starts blowing up. Um, and then all these labels start to kind of offer contracts and this is over like the next year. Like, this is probably 20, 2016, yeah. I think. Um, and basically, so I fly out to America again. Um, and actually get like, um, held, what's it called when you go to a country and they're like, I get interrogated. Like oh, I got yeah. taken this cause I'd been coming into the country on a visitor's visa back and forth, back and forth. Which is already bad for your management. Like she'd yeah. been doing that probably. Nah. And, um, basically they, like I got taken in by border security and they were like, you're here working illegally or this other shit where I actually wasn't making money at all. Yeah. I hadn't made a cent. I hadn't made money. I was going to meetings. I was writing songs, but technically like if you're a photographer and you go to another country and take photos, does that work? Like it's kind of like yeah. a blurred line. So I basically went there and um, yeah, I had, I, I was held up in like the airport for like eight hours, like wow. just being interrogated. I thought I was going to get deported and never be able to come back to America. And I was like, Oh no, my life is over. <laughs> like there's yeah. just been so many like, um, and I ended up getting out because um, a lawyer or that my team had gotten, got me out. Um, it was a miracle, really. Um, and then I went to all these meetings with all these labels and um, wanting to sign with all these labels and it was crazy. I was meeting, you know, it was like my whole thing, everything I'd wished had kind of come into reality. It was all happening. Yeah. So um, so how, what is that process? You release a song, it goes big, labels mm, are like, all right, we want you for your next song and then your management is separate for your labels. It's kind of interesting. So, so basically where I can... The deal that I had was structured as I was signed to a label and a management by owned by the same manager. Uh-huh. So it was basically so any- all these labels coming to you didn't matter because you're already locked in. With I was already locked in. Guy. I was already locked in every 360. So like yeah. basically anything that they wanted to do with me, it would have to be a joint venture with who yeah. was already you know part part um in charge of my career, I guess. So basically, like the whole thing was when I would go see these labels, it would be be so excited, but like. It's like or every night my like hopes would be kind of crushed because like I was being told like oh they want to take control they want to do this and it's gonna to have to be the way that we want it to work that's uh-huh. what I was being told so like man it was just it just that, what so they were telling you no nah, we're not gonna go with them they're gonna take you for a ride you won't get anything out of the deal basically Whereas it was the whole like time it, that was happening anyway basically it was like yeah this is not good for your future it's not good for your like financially they're gonna take like advantage and all this other stuff so like it was like like they're just gonna 
it's like it's a smarter business move for us to take ownership this is working this is a good thing let's just keep doing what we're doing so i ended up not signing with any of the labels like because i remember there was this one disagreement that we had one day where i got into an argument with them and it was like i probably can't say what happened but like it's some like i got pretty much abused like physically (laughs) and like it was like then my dad ended up having to fly out to to, to 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 america at the time and then like kind of meet these guys my dad is like you know old school he wanted to rip the guy's yeah. head off and like it was just a mess man it was an absolute mess and this is just a side that people don't see like other people see whoa joel's just released this song like life's so good he's getting millions of downloads yeah. like probably making all this money mm. yet behind the scenes you're dealing with this toxic yeah prison setup of yeah. somebody tr- controlling your life and taking advantage of your talent and your naivety yeah. of being a young kid. Absolutely. I mean, like, yeah. And I'm like, I'm not like making out like I'm like this angel of a kid that like, you know, just got taken advantage of. Like I did definitely like, like want to, to make my career work. So I was desperate, like, mm. you know what I mean? But like, still like what happened to me was like, you know, unfair, it, it's yeah. completely unfair, you know? And, um, basically, yeah. So, where are we in the story? So, yeah, yeah. Right. So, so, you, so you've been in America for years. Yeah, you're playing some gigs. <clears throat> yeah, like do you, like do you have like your bank accounts and stuff? Like the money's going in once you start doing stuff, or so, like what were you living off? So basically, I had um, a business card that I was given, um, that like I was spending the money that the yeah, label yeah. was making. So like I didn't have my own money. I didn't have. I never got my own money bank into my own account. I was told stuff. that I was too young and immature to have my own money or anything like that so so basically yeah that that was that was the situation so it's i because people don't realize if you don't have like parents that understand the industry if you don't have the right mentors and advice around you there must be so many stories like yours of just dude. young naive people who think um oh man yeah that just get taken advantage of in all different industries with oh. management and i think it's that hopefully today's a great lesson for any parents or yeah. young people who are not successful who are um really talented in a chosen performing art or sport yeah to just be so wary of the sharks that are out there dude it's crazy i i've seen like a lot obviously like um i'll get into what happened after but like i i lived in la and i've seen like even one of my closest friends um blake rose i i see him like early on when he first moved out to la he moved out with our mate shami and um he basically uh, had like management at the time who were like sketchy. And then like, he was going to go into another deal. And I was like, dude, do not do this. Do not do this. Like I told him, bro, do not do this. He knew he nearly did it too. He nearly like mm. signed with this guy. Wanted to so similar to my deal, like wanted to have an independent label, wanted to like, you know, um, you know, be the owner of the label and everything. And it was all, he was going to control everything. And I was like, bro, do not do this shit. Like mm. taking him out, grooming him, taking him to like the Gucci store, making him like, like dressing up and all this like shit. Like being like, yeah, we're going to wear this on stage. It's like, bro, that's not how like, that's not how like you make music. Yeah. That's not, that's, that's, that's bullshit. Like that's, yeah. that's not what I got into music. I got into music because I love, I love making music. I love playing music. I love playing live music. Mm. I love being creative. Like, that's what you. That's what it's all about. But when you work with the actual professionals, the best people who I've ever worked with, they give you space. They like give you the tools, and they like let you go. They don't want to be with you every day. They don't want to like mm. like groom you. Like there's no like what for a creative person you need space. You need to be like in as you know like you need to be in your own little world. Yeah. 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 So yeah, man. It was. It was. I just like looking back, and it's it's so bad how many people go through this kind of like thing in the industry it's almost yeah, always a story yeah. about it it's crazy how many yeah. like yeah but they're quite untold and so many times and obviously with your story you can only say so much because mm. which we will i guess kind of get into now getting out of that contract and what that looked like yeah basically having to ruin your not ruin your career but but yeah your prime time of your career where you're building momentum like you've yeah. got a 600 million download song for <clears throat> to compare that Fisher, who you obviously know, my brother-in-law's song "Losing It," which is one of the biggest, most played songs of the de- last decade, only has four hundred million downloads. Yeah. So you got thirty percent, or like an extra fifty percent downloads on that. Like that just shows into context how big one of your songs and many other of your songs have over million downloads. Like I just yeah. looked before we jumped on here, you got one point seven million monthly listeners. Like yeah, the fact that you're not getting the kickback from that 
and it's your music that you wrote that you perform. Yeah. I think just people don't understand that about they see an artist and be like, wow, that person must be so successful. But just like there's so many stories like yours oh, where it doesn't come like that. And now obviously you're playing like gigs at local pubs and stuff like which is amazing, but the level from the size of certain things that you've yeah. done that you should be at is uh it's I mean, I don't want to say sad because you look like you're in a really yeah. good place right now, but it's just disappointing that yeah, the uh, the the career that you could have had has yeah. been slowed down because of certain people, which is just so yeah. shit to hear. Also, I mean, like obviously I was young, but it's also my I did make bad decisions. Like you know, what I mean, I should have listened to my parents' advice at certain times, but I gave into the kind of like the pressure. Um, but obviously like, yeah, I can't look back as, as that, you know, mm. like that, but, um, but yeah, basically, man, like, so I went and met all these labels. My dad came out. There was a lot of drama happening in America. I ended up going back to Australia, moving to London then because I couldn't get back into America because obviously after my last visit, they wanted to deport me. So I was like told, if you ever come back, you got to have an O1 visa. So basically I went to, um, to London for about six months, wrote songs. I did a show. Once again, a lot of drama happened. Like it was just the torment at that point. It was so toxic, the relationship. But it's crazy because the song was streaming. It was charting at that point. Like I think I, it was like the number one streaming Australian artist in the world at one point. And like I was probably, I was, and every day people would think, oh, he must be doing shows. I was locked in a hotel room on my own. Like with, like I remember at one point I wasn't able to, all my messages were being read everything that I said to my friends, I had to like Snapchat call my friends to, to actually be able to talk to them because if I called, I'd be asked, why did you make this call to this person? Why did you do this? And like, um, like I had to just block out certain friends. I couldn't talk to my friends because I was being told you can't be friends with this person. I had like a GPS locator on me, like on my phone, like, you know, you can like, location all times like i couldn't leave the house without Dude, it's like you're knowing like a 14 year old kid and your parents are really strict but it's uh... yeah i was like i think i was about 19 at that time so basically what happens is i end up getting this huge deal offered to me by atlantic records and it's like a seven-year deal and it, the, the amount of money it was like eight figures it was huge it was like any would change anyone's life um and it was kind of like if i sign this tomorrow you'll be on ellen tomorrow you'll be doing like you know all those things that mm. like people do when they're like blown up and i was like but it was seven more years of this shit that i was going through with this guy still. and it was all joint venture and i was like no nah, i can't i mentally i can't do this i talk i called my dad and by then my dad had been to america but at the end of the day this ain't a big deal like you haven't actually seen anything hit your account i haven't seen anything to buy oh, houses and stuff like you're charting artists with you know what i mean like should be millions of dollars yeah. coming in oh bro i knew i was never going to see any of that money man so like I, I remember, and then my dad had kind of at this point he was on my side now. Yeah. He believed so it had been over a year and a half or two years of this shit, and my dad was like, "Okay, don't sign this shit." But he was like, "Get the fuck out of there!" Like he was like, "Get out of there, dude!" Like you, you yeah. don't want to be there. Um, just go fly to South Africa. Don't come back to Australia. Fly to South Africa, be with your grandparents because that's what my grandparents were at the time. Um, and just stay with them. Get rid of your phone. I remember I got in contact with a lawyer. He told me, get rid of your phone, stop using their cards, stop doing everything, just get the hell out of that situation and just and cut all lines of community. from them. Disappear, bro. And for about um for about a few months, uh, actually you know, about a year or so, they were pretending to be me online and like releasing new songs of mine, trying to like make more money off me and like posing as me on, uh, online. And it was just it's so crazy, bro. Crazy. Yeah. So like I remember I then I so I went to South Africa, I ended up getting the visa to move to America. And that's where I kind of start to get out of the deal. So like, that's when I like went to court. I got um, great lawyers. Um, in the States? In the States, yeah. Yeah. Um, and you got an O-1 visa to basically sit in your court. Case. Yeah, that's what I had to do it. I had to do it because what I had to do is to get out of the contract, I had to file for bankruptcy and give up all my assets to a bank uh, bankruptcy trustee. And basically when you do that, it's like you can get rid of contracts and void all your business, lose all your debt. With mm. all, all that, and and you can get a fresh start. So basically, and I then you can't own a business and stuff in the states. So for years, if you file uh, for bankruptcy, can't I don't know. I I'm pretty sure I have an LLC. So I don't think I don't think it's like that. I yeah. think it's more. Um, you can't. Um, I, I think it's all the businesses that you had. They they're gone. Yeah. They're gone. So, um, I'm not too sure about yeah. that. Um, 
like I said, I'm just a musician. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And that's the thing we forget that people like who understand that use the system yeah. to take advantage of people who don't understand it. Absolutely. But anyway, so you file for bankruptcy to yeah. get out of these deals. So now all your songs that are under that label, they're mm. still making your yeah. They own it all. It. They own it all. Anything that I've written, anything that I've done, two years of work, like all like some of my there's still songs that they have. One of song in particular that um, I've heard a few things about that they. They're not please don't go that that I have never released that is probably like I thought it was going to be my biggest song ever, and um, they they got all that and um so basically what happened is I went to court for two years did depositions like you know on camera kind of stuff and interrogated for eight hours I remember going to court and I just like it was like five years of this shit like I was so already as anxious from everything that I've been through and it's like I have to go to court and do depositions and like be interrogated it was just like bro it was. It was a young insane. kid that wants to sing some songs. Yeah, dude. Like. I, like, yeah. So it was, it was, it was rough. Um, obviously, I'm not saying like it's like the yeah. hardest thing. People go for way harder things. Um, but like, it was definitely like mentally, it was very, very draining. And then basically, what ended up happening is after two years, hundreds of thousands of dollars being spent on legal fees, we ended up just settling. Um, yeah. So basically, it just all came to an end. Um, and basically. I just was meant to start my new chapter, but I think by then, man, I had two, three years of like, since my song had come out, caught all the stuff, I had been so quiet online. Um, no one knew me, like everyone knew my song, but because I wasn't able to post about myself or what I was doing every day in life, like no one really knew me. So my fans or anyone who liked my music, I guess, would have no real connection with me, the artist, which is where really you build a community mm. of, 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 of fans. Um, so I put out music after that and it just didn't really perform like, you know, at the same level as like, you know, that, that first song. So, um, did that first song, like, did they have great connections and distribution and stuff to help it get attraction or did no, it just... they had a bit of money to put into promotion, Yeah, but it was more bro. Just the song. I mean, the real reason the song went big was because in Sweden, some, uh, there's like play- things on Spotify called playlists, right? Like, and they're like big playlists with millions of listeners. They put some Swedish dude heard the song and was like, "This is sick." Put it on the, um, put it on the pl- playlist, and then it just went gangbusters. And then like ever since then, all these other playlists started adding it, and then it just blew up. Yeah. So like it was actually more organic. Um, okay. Um, which was which was really cool because I was always told that the reason that the music was doing well was not because of me it was because of the management and their promotion but it was actually cool to know that the main like source of income and the main like everyone when they talk about the song they talk about that stream number yeah that that came organically which i'm so glad that that's you know that's one thing i'm very proud of um but yeah so basically i just started putting out songs after this whole um shitstorm and i was so drained man i was so and that's when i went into like deep deep depression deep anxiety i started really like doing Moved a lot back here to brisbane and well i before that i was living in la i lived in la for about four years i think before i moved back to brisbane because I, I started I, left, I moved there in 2017 i moved back here so three years and um man i just like i was doing like all, a lot of drugs like drinking sleeping like my schedule was like i would work in the and you're making music and stuff there all the time. Oh, how did it work though if you file for bankruptcy then you'd start fresh again start and you fresh. had bank accounts and you actually started trying to set yep. up your music career in la yep. again so like i own my own label like my yep. label everything that i put out it's it's yep. i fund it all so uh-huh. it's all funded by me um have you looked at going down finding a good oh, you've got management now yeah. i've got i've got great management um my management uh, amazing patriot the the best um yeah. manager jeff he's awesome He's, he's looked after me so well and he's been there through like a lot of this mm. rubbish that I've been through and same with another manager, Dana. She was, um, she's been really great too. So I've, I've got a great team and, and people that I really trust. Um, but like I said, like there's only so much that they can do for me. You got to do it for yourself. Yeah. Right? Like, and like that bit, momentum's hard momentum to regather. Momentum's hard to regather, man. And it's not like someone can just like pull out a pen and give you like $20 million to like promote yourself. And like, you know, it's like, it's not the way it works. What's the hard thing when you're getting all these, if it wasn't for this guy, you take that Atlantic deal on your own label. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're a oh, yeah, really. superstar, which you're not, not a superstar with the stream numbers and stuff you have, but you as a personal brand become yeah, that's what it Joel is. Adams behind the Spotify and that's um, like, artist. That's as you know, like, like speaking of like Fisher, right? Like, like, so he has like 400 million streams like that. His brand is so much more valuable mm. because, you know, he can fly anywhere in the world and 
pack out any venue mm. and do all like I've I mean, I've seen fish at like um, Coachella and all these amazing like like he's like he's huge because yeah. of his brand his social mm. media his like that's what that's what really drives yeah. your success as an artist and for me I wasn't able to kind of capitalize yeah, on that part um, so like for me basically um, yeah so I went into this like big pit of depression and kind of just had to kind of face uh you know like what what was now failure i felt like just the biggest failure and then covid happened um and i just came back to australia and um i moved to the coast after a few months and i think that's probably when we first yeah met. I guess at, I um, at the yacht party I yeah think maybe maybe that was it and this is a perfect example <clears throat> of seeing that stream number and going fuck this guy must be like you know what i mean yeah. like absolutely that's not my intention. We have a lot of friends who have Absolutely. blue ticks and have, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean, yeah, quite yeah. a big profile. Sure. But after meeting you and somebody going like, oh, that's Jolly the singer. And then you look you up and you're like, fuck, that guy's just like, but now getting to like hear your story is just such an incredible example and important example, I think, for people listening to not assume and to gather perspective and before you just go, oh, that person's got it easy. Go like, hold, yeah. like, I think you're a perfect example of to not look at people who look like they have the perfect yeah. life on the outside to actually take time to give people a chance to listen to their yeah. story and learn. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm doing pub gigs. <laughs> like, I do pub gigs now. Yeah. It's like, um, and I actually don't, like, I, I don't see that as, like, a bad thing at all. I'm like, I love doing it. I love playing, like, live music. Oh, I got to watch you at Miami Marquette just around the corner from here where we're recording right now. And oh, like, yeah. It's so, like, watching you play, like, I'm going to leave a bunch of, like, links and stuff, but, like, the way that you perform Please Don't Go to Show My Girlfriend, then the looping and everything. Oh, like, yeah. You're one of the most talented musicians oh, so on the planet, that. and it's um, it's really cool. So you move back to Oz, COVID hits. Yeah. What's been – how have you been making money? How have you been, like, so basically by now with um, obviously the incredible talent and voice that you have, oh, which I'm going to get you to sing us a song in a second. But, um, <laughs> well, yeah. Basically, like, um, once COVID hit, I um, like I've been lucky enough since like Please Don't Go came out. It's like not like my songs did nothing, right? It's yeah. like they did well, but they didn't do that magnitude. Yeah, yeah. which was really what I was in my head. I expected that to yeah. happen. Um, and so basically, yeah, I get a little bit of royalties from those songs, and then um, basically gigs like corporate. I do a lot of private corporate stuff, you know, for people, um, such as like you know bar parties and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, I do a uh, yeah a bunch of gigs like that um i do a lot of collaborating with my good mate critty black who you know too yeah, yeah, um yeah. so we we've done a bunch of stuff together and um and yeah man so like we i, I basically have just been almost in a reset mode because mm. like for that year that first year of covid when i came back i didn't really do any gigs or any writing yeah. songs at all i was like i don't want to do music at all i kind of thought i didn't want to do music ever again i was just so my whole relationship with that was so negative and I just like kind of saw it as just like a place I didn't want to touch. Like I, all my mates who wanted, like my mate Magnus Murphy, he's like one of my best mates. He always was like, oh, let's go in the studio right somewhere. I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. I want to go drink. I want to go party. I want to do drugs. I want to yeah, go I like, escape this. I want to escape the shit. Like I don't yeah. want anything to do with it. I just want to move to the Gold Coast. I want to go party every day. Yeah. I just kind of write myself off. And I kind of did that for like a whole year. And then I kind of got to a really bad place with my anxiety. And like I ended up in the hospital with like really high blood pressure. And then had a heart attack after like, you know, just really doing a lot of, because I'm already a highly strong person. So for me to be doing like, you know, up as like cocaine and all that shit, like it's just, it's gonna, it's gonna like, like affect yeah, this yeah, right here. So I ended up changing that um, in 2021, got back into the gigs and kind of since then I've just been gigging, writing and getting back into writing songs. And I've finally kind of done some self work uh, and, you know, in a place where like now I can got a bit, like I said at the start, different perspective yeah. on everything that's happened to me and, kind of I'm used, trying to use it as a, more of a positive thing and kind of tie it in with mental health, which is really like what I love about what you're doing, you know, and um, yeah, just trying to like kind of help people who are young kind of manage um, that, that what's up here. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's such an important thing. That confusion and that yeah, man. lack of belonging and yeah. understanding of the world that we all go through, but it's so hard to articulate and it's so nice now with the music, which you've showed me some of these, your songs. I'm going to get you to play one for us. Yeah. In a minute, little live pre before it's even released. <laughs> but I just want to talk to you quickly. How did you first build the self-awareness to be like, oh, shit, I need to make some changes? Was it when you ended up in hospital or 
What, it, and what are the changes that you have been making? It's kind of hard because it's hard to pinpoint like what exactly like it's been like a lot of little things along the way for me um, because there was obviously like, yeah, like I started being like getting really bad effects from drinking and, and drug use and that kind of like scared me a bit. I was like, oh, okay, this is not my thing anymore. I can't really do this. Um, there was also what really, 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 I mean, I, I just started to realize why did I do music in the first place? Why do I love what I love in the first place? Like, and it's just like, I, I went and did some gigs with one of my good mates, um, Ness, um, Nessie Salu, he, um, and, and Zylatu and a few other guys, uh, like Ricky Nifo, a bunch of my mates. And I just got back into like why I liked music, which is just, I love to sing. I love to play instruments. Mm. And I kind of just went back to the start of like why I do this. And it, that, that's, I kind of built that confidence up again that like, yeah, um, it's just my passion. And then personally, man, it was, I think, I think after a while, like after you kind of like go through so many things and you look back with perspective, for me, I just was so tired of being angry about my past. Mm. I was so tired about like looking back at it with so much animosity. And I noticed that it was bleeding into like just my relationships, the way that I like handled like, you know, like dating, dating, the dating scene, like the way that I handled my friendships, my relationships, the way that I would like even like just come see my family, like I would get exhausted. I was just always emotionally drained, like always. Like I just had no energy. So I just started like, I guess, looking after my health was the first thing. So for me, the most important thing for my mental health is always sleep. Like if I'm not sleeping well, it's just the day is like not going to get done properly. I won't get into that day properly. So like for me, sleep, exercise was another thing. I started just working out again, looking after my physical health, um, having me time like like time to myself because i feel like as as like you know being like in entertainment or something like you're a performer you're so used to like pleasing people but like it gets really draining sometimes like Mm. especially socially i get very drained yeah like we'll get off the stage and then just be like 100 people want to talk to you and it's just like oh man you just like i just want to like escape it Mm. so for me it's that um it's spending time with people who like really care about me like my mom and dad and sense listening more like i feel like so long i've like i love to like talk have the answers have the answers and and i just like I, I, there's so much you can learn from anyone like you you can you can learn any so much from so, anyone you know what i mean so like for me listening has been a big thing and um and yeah just, just th- those are those are big things and just like just trying to be at, more at peace and um stop acting like you're happy just like actually put the work in and become happy you know what i mean mm. and stop acting like shit's all right because i think for so long that's what i did I acted like, oh yeah, I'm this super happy person, but like, I didn't wow. face anything. Like, I didn't. I never went back through my past and actually looked at. It. I'm still so, like, like I got so much more work to do. Yeah, you know. But I think for me, like, that's been the hardest thing. Like, it's been like realizing like what makes me trigger. Like, what what like I have to look into this stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. And kind of face it. Um, Man, and it's yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's thank you so much for sharing, especially no, of midway through your obviously journey that you're on. Um, and you have sent me some of your new songs that you're about to release, mm. and <clears> one <throat> of them really sums up kind of how you're feeling now. This idea yeah. of bottling stuff up. Yeah, you've got your guitar next year. <laughs> Can we have a little um, yeah, a, a little um, a little uh, what's the word? A little okay, like an unplugged. Yeah, an unplugged. Mike's obviously aren't set up for recording music, but Joel's got his guitar next to oh, us. Oh, they're betas. Yeah, um, betas. So, so do you want to tell us why you wrote this song, what this sort of next chapter is looking like for you with your music and, yeah, yeah how it relates to obviously what you've been feeling, the story you've been going through? So I went to London like about, I'd say about two months ago with my good mate Magnus um, who I've basically just been doing music. Like my whole thing is like, I just want to do music with my mates. Yeah, I want it to all just be fun. Like I want to work with mates. Like that's why I came on this podcast. I want to like talk to my friends. Like I want to just make it about a positive thing now, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so we went and I kind of wrote this song about kind of, I feel like as men, we are very, very, whether it's the way that we were raised or something, we're just we're not very good happy. at, we're acting happy. We're not very good at actually expressing how we feel. Like one of the things I, I think we talked about earlier is like, you know, I went to an all boys school. And like, if you went to the student counselor, there was something wrong with you, mm. but it's like, there shouldn't be something wrong with you to have to talk about the way that you're feeling. Like everyone goes through something every day. It's like, that should be a normalized thing. Like, it's like, you're not a weird kid because you go talk to a counselor. So for me, I wrote the song, it's called Just A Man. Cause I watched this TikTok 
of this guy. These guys like talking about, <clears throat> it's like, who do you talk to when you're down? And all these guys were saying, oh no, and I'm just a man. Like no one wants to hear what I have to say. And I feel mm-hmm. like that's how a lot of guys feel. Yeah. Um, they feel like they can't talk to anyone. And it's really sad because I feel like me and you, like we're somewhat privileged. Um, where we, we get good pla- people around good people around us, we platform. have platforms. But like there's so many guys out there who feel completely invisible to the world. To women, they feel, you know, they just feel like they, they, they can't offer anyone anything. So like I kind of wrote this song about that. It's got a lot to do with my my upbringing too. So yeah, just before I sing, I'm just going to... Yeah, yeah, have a quick sip. I'm going to get Carol, my beautiful partner, to get some BTS photos for me. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, when you're ready, oh! let's, uh, what's, what's it called? Or you haven't named it yet. It's called Just a Man. Yeah, a little little bit of red on your lip. It's it's happening, eh? All right, I'm just going to sit back and be serenaded. I just want to stay home In bed with the blast clothes Buried in my phone Three days, no calls Cause I crawled down this rabbit hole Time and time again And I can't talk about it I'm a mirror to my friends They ask me how I'm doing And I say that I'm okay I bottle up the truth And I hope the glass don't break Cause no one's listening Cause I'm just a man, I'm just a man And I'm not the only one Who feels like a loaded gun So many of us mask up pain with medicine Watch porn, do drugs, or we keep drinking The only thing we never do is talk Oh, I'm from a generation We hold it all inside Just ask how many of us ever saw our fathers cry No wonder we're so fucked up And it doesn't make no sense We never see the problem So we're burying our friends And it never ends Cause I'm just a man, I'm just a man but no one's listening Cause I'm just a man, I'm just a man First time I've ever tried to do that live. It's really high. <laughs> far out. I'm just watching my partner walk away, bawling her eyes out. Oh, shame, shame. <laughs> shame. So, oh, man, man. I, I feel that song. I think um, so many <clears throat> men, women, anyone listening yeah. can probably relate to somebody in their life that they look at and can see far out. That person is probably feeling like that. That person, yeah. I might not have given the opportunity to have the space to talk and i mean i can't wait for that song to come out and i'm oh, sure everybody too, who listens to this podcast um will get around it and all your new music coming out so yep. what what is the um 
the plan for you looking forward? What's the next 12 months looking like for you? I think for me, like the most important thing, first off, bro, thanks so much for having me on, man. It's like, it's so like, it's such an honor to like be able to like talk to someone like yourself, obviously, who I, I got a lot of admiration for you, bro. And like a lot of respect for all the things that you do. Um, but for me, the, the next kind of steps is just, you know, I, I just want to put out music that really kind of speaks to an audience um, I want to build a community of fans. I don't want to be, I don't care about being famous anymore or like really successful. I just care more about like making music that people can connect to. Um, and yeah, I can just kind of build a career off of that. Like I love doing like what I'm doing now, but like I'd love to just be able to kind of just have like a small career, you know, of a, like a little fan group where I can just kind of go do a few shows in a few cities and kind of release music that speaks on mental health. Um, I've got a lot more songs that are all kind of around that and yeah, that's kind of just like for me, that's the future. And then continually, continuing to like work on my own mental health, um, stay healthy, um, keep a healthy mind, healthy body. And uh, and yeah, that's pretty much it, bro. Man, I'm excited. I think you're on a new chapter. It's You've gone through so much heartache and so much resilience to get to where you are now. And to, you can feel it in when you sing that song, man. It's, it's so powerful to feel obviously the heartache that you've been through that you've seen other men go through and yeah. be able to put that into words and um mm. it, it's something very special and i think it's going to have far more of an impact than you even recognize and the fact that you're putting mental health on the back of it and trying to make some noise but not at all have to come from like a negative place just from no. a place of understanding and perspective and that's why i think we spoke about it before but i'd mm. love to have you as a good human <clears throat> ambassador and 100 and start bringing it into the music scene and Absolutely. start branching out from this athlete area because mental health doesn't discriminate it's something yeah. we all have we all have stories that people just aren't aware of and i feel yeah. like hopefully from hearing your story now people might feel a bit of empathy towards the outside looking in and um yeah, yeah just maybe build some empathy towards other people around them in their lives too Absolutely. I'd be more, like, I'd be really honored to do that, brother. Yeah. I mean, man, like, yeah, like you said, like, I, like I, I'm doing my music now for other people, really. Like, it's not my thing. I really just want to help other people. And I think, um, like what you're doing, you know what I mean? It's, it's, you got to take what you've been through and you kind of got to help other people and kind of hopefully lift them up with your story and yeah. act as some sort of service. So, Which you so, will, yeah. man. I know this podcast definitely would have um, really struck a few feathers of people to, get an inside look at what the kind of music industry and the entertainment industry can be, but also um, the power of music, just your story from writing the song. Um, Please yeah. don't go as a late school assignment on the steps out the front of your school building yeah, to being yeah. 600 million download just on yeah. Spotify. So between YouTube, Apple and Spotify, it's probably a billion people have listened to that song, which is just weird phenomenal man um so everyone go listen to that one that's Thanks, one of my favorites but the stuff that's coming out soon um yeah is obviously as we just got a little example of going to be so touching and massive so i can't wait for that um but the last question i do finish good humans podcast with and every guest gets this one and it's going to be a great one to ask you now being like the newest ambassador what okay. does being a good human mean to joel adams man just being well being a good human i think it's being responsible it's being honest. Um, it's taking time out of your day of like, you know, just to kind of like think about little people, you know, and, and to keep, keep your circle small, keep it like, you know, keep, keep the good people around you and um, being a good human, man, it's, it's, it's much better than being someone full of like, you know, anger and you know animosity. So, you know, just put good things out into the world, man. Like that's, that's being a good human. I love that. And yeah. I'm so excited for the next chapter. I'm so glad you're out of, that chapter that was difficult in your life. I know yeah. other people who have gone through chapters like that and come out the other side and really flourish. So I'm so excited to watch where it goes. I'm going to be on the sidelines cheering as loud as I can for um, <laughs> as much as I can for what you're doing. I'm sure all the Likewise, listeners brother. of this podcast will be. But, man, thank you so much for jumping on Good Humans. It's been Cheers, an absolute brother. pleasure. Appreciate it, my man. Thank you, dude. Man, love you. man. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 